So our house is wooded, so that means every morning we go out and we have to clear the yard to make sure there are not raccoons there because we have uh, small dogs. And more times than not, there are raccoons there. And we don't want to do anything to hurt them. We just want them to leave. So we've tried what some of the experts suggest. We put up a, a light sensor, a sound sensor. That didn't work. Another person suggested putting up statues of owls, but that didn't work either. And so we just have to go out and clear them out. And sure enough, two were out there this morning. A lot of people, you know, they'll tell you stories and we hear people say it, you know, why don't you just, uh, you know, catch them and somebody might want them as a pet and you can't have them as a pet, but you'll hear stories where people did keep them and they talk about they're cute and they're smart. But here's the thing about raccoons. When they reach six months and from six months to two years old, they're going through hormonal changes and at six months it begins and they become aggressive. And that's why you hear people talk about stories. They try to keep them as a pet and then they eventually got bit and by two years they are very aggressive. So it's not something you can do to keep them as a pet, but it's, it's a great metaphor for just life in general where something that may seem, you know, so small, if it's not dealt with, can have big consequences. And that may be, you know, sin might be something that seems so small and it grows to this very big and dangerous thing a part of our life but it might be putting something off and thinking what's the consequence of that going to be and once you go through the process of building up the consequence it's much bigger than maybe originally thought you know dr walter martin he passed away a few years ago but he said this into this whirlpool of stagnant human philosophy and perverted revelation came the Son of God. And through his teaching and example, he revealed there was such a thing as divine humanity. And through his miraculous powers, vicarious death and bodily resurrection, he cut across the maze of human doubts and fears and was lifted up to draw all men unto himself. We are in a time where things get more confusing, I think, in our culture, it seems like on, on a daily basis. And, and things again that maybe seem so small becoming bigger and bigger in regards to the consequence you know people not believing what is true anymore redefining definitions redefining what's right and wrong things like that i love this quote by tina osterhouse she learned this from her grandmother and it's this some things are beyond us and it is good they are beyond us There are things that are beyond us, and those things, they drive us to our knees, and it's a lesson for us to learn to say, you know what, it's not about depending on on self, the things that are taking place in our own lives or the world. It's showing us our, our complete need to depend on God. And let me give you a beautiful example of what that looks like from Phyllis Zeno. She shares about, you know, one day she was working in a day nursery, and they brought in this troubled young girl. And she was captivated by this girl from the beginning. And she said, I never met a child who had so little but needed so much. She goes on to share, you know, she was heartbroken about this four-year-old child who was filled with heartache and pain. She was born in a prison because her mother was a drug addict and she was in prison at the time of the birth. And she shared this little girl was nonverbal, had so little self-control. And if somebody would approach her, she got violent for long periods of time and she would just end up on the floor in a fetal position and cry. But Felicino said she was drawn to this child day in and day out. And as months rolled on, they began to bond when nobody else could. And every day she would sit in the rocking chair and rock this child and she would sway back and forth and she would sing, Jesus loves me. Let me read what happened next. As I sang, she always settled down and became very still. 
Though she never spoke, peace seemed to fill her face as she listened to the song. One day, after a very long battle, I held her to calm her fears and pain. In silence, we rocked back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Then she looked at me with tear-filled eyes and spoke for the very first time. Sing to me about that man who loves me. You know, we're going to talk today about, you know, in this time uh, of just confusion and division, let's talk about that man who loves you and loves me. And we're going to look at a verse out of the book of Jude. Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. And we're going to look at just verses 2 and 3. There are no chapters in Jude. It's a short book. But he starts by saying this. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, and then there's a pause. Jude shares, he wanted to write about celebrating the gospel message. But there's something else he has to address. And what he's going to address was sort of summarized in two words by Dietrich Bonhoeffer in World War II. Bonhoeffer was put in prison in Germany in World War II. He, he was a believer, but he was seen as somebody who had committed treason as he stood up to the government. He was placed in prison. He'd die in that prison. He wrote books from that prison. But he penned a phrase called cheap grace. And cheap grace is this idea that people can say, you know, Jesus paid for my sin, so I can just do what I want. And Bonhoeffer said that's cheap grace because if you take the forgiveness of Jesus and use it as a license to sin, you don't know grace. You know, grace, it's this idea of being declared not guilty because Jesus paid the price for that sin. And if we take that for granted, we're not really understanding grace. The, the grace should lead us to obedience, to holiness. The Apostle Paul had this same discussion in the first century where people said to him, listen, if my, all my sins are paid for, should I not sin more to show my appreciation for, for the death and resurrection of Christ? And Paul said, may you never say such a, such a thing again. Think about this from Tim Clinton. Think about our culture today. Cheap grace because that's what Jude is going to talk about, because the problems that he's going to address were not just things in the world, but he says it's stuff taking place in the church where people were proclaiming, you know, I believe in the gospel, but living how they wanted. And cheap grace is this idea of just, you know, you practice a religion here and there, maybe it's Sunday morning, but it, it's not your life, and that simply is not compatible with the real gospel. But think about this here from Tim Clinton. If you take 500 of the most common words in the dictionary, how many meanings do you think that you can derive? 500 of the most common words, the answer is you could get 14,000 meanings. And we wonder why people are so confused and there's so much debate about right and wrong and different belief systems. And that's why we talk about, you know, that just like Jude is going to talk about, our belief is based upon truth that is found in Christ, and he spoke through his word, he speaks through his spirit. It's not about people's opinions, it's about what is the eternal promise in that living word that's sharper than a double-edged sword. And so when Jude says, I wanted to write about the salvation we share, he makes that pause, and then verse 3 he says this, I found it necessary to write to you, to exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. 
Solomon said it like this, Proverbs 23, buy the truth. We must be prepared to pay a price for something that's really worthwhile. And when Solomon says buy the truth, he means be ready to pay that price. Your time, your commitment, the discipline, whatever it is, he said that's how important truth is, not to trade on it like happens in our world, but it's so precious that pay whatever price you have to to live that truth and know that truth. And H.D. Bruce said the church that compromises truth today will compromise morals tomorrow. You know, we could all, I'm sure, share stories, and I won't get into mine, but I'm sure we all know stories of churches, even, you know, spiritual leaders and pastors and other people in churches that, you know, they'd say one thing but do the other and compromise their lives tremendously. The way to stop that compromise is let's start with the truth found in Christ and let his grace compel us to obedience to follow after him. Let's take a look at that first part uh, of verse 3 in Jude again. He says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly. That word contend, it is a, it's a military term. It's to contend as in a form of combat. In fact, we get the English word agonize over from that word contend. It signifies, you know, again, like Solomon, paying a price for the truth. Jude doesn't just say, you know, just kind of believe something or just settle on things and everybody just do what thou will. He says, listen, there is truth and you stand up for that truth. Who is Christ? What is the promise in him that he is the way, the truth, the life? There is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. And he says, you contend for it like somebody going to battle. You agonize for that truth. That's why Spurgeon said so many years ago, believers are called to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And as many as believe in him and have obtained eternal life through him are now enlisted beneath his banner to fight the battle of holiness against sin and of truth against error. But let's look at a study here, a fascinating one to show how easily people can be influenced by other. This is out of the journal of PLOS. And what they did, they'd have the subject watch a screen and they would measure the temperature on the subject's hand and the student would be watching a screen and on the screen there'd be a video of somebody else and on the screen they would put their hand in a bowl of water and if, if it was ice water, the person who was watching the video, their temperature on their skin would be colder. And if they watched a video of somebody sticking their hands in warm water, the skin on the person watching that video, their skin would become warmer. Fascinating. Just even watching somebody else do something change their skin temperature. That's how easily we are influenced by others, even if we don't consciously recognize that it's happening. And that's why it's so important to say, like Jude, contend, pay the price to know the truth and live that truth. Ezra Benson, a farmer and a minister from the 1800s into the 1900s, said this, the Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take the people out of the slums. Christ takes the slums out of people, and then they take themselves out of the slums. The world would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human behavior. So let's talk about something taking place in our culture in regards to the lockdown and, and the virus. You know, there's studies all over. 
sharing about the rise in divorce and you know separation, toxic marriages. And let's talk about uh, some things that can answer that. But notice uh, something Natalie Rivera said, you can't be willing to do more for someone than they are willing to do for themselves. So this is one of those places to, to say I'm ready to pay the price. And if you're in a marriage right now where things are not working well, I'll give you some things that could turn that around right now. Or if you know somebody's struggling, you can take these things and share it with them. And, and write these down. And if you just remember one thing here to say, I'll change that, that can make a difference. If you're single, keep these in mind for when you know that relationship comes along to, to know here are some things. It'll change your relationship. These are from Tony Robbins. And I'll just share you know three things for men and three things for women. And again, write these down. Score yourself. If you're doing poorly, make a commitment today to say, I'm going to transform this starting today and again if it's something that uh, maybe somebody else you know going through some problems here's something you can share with them but Tony Robbins lists these and it's the first one is for the men and these are three words that start with the letter U. so score yourself men if your your wife feels unseen if she feels unseen you're going to have some big problems in fact Women cheat because they feel dead inside or not even noticed in a relationship. How does your wife feel? Does she feel unseen? Number two, if she feels she is not understood, if she feels not understood, she's going to become distant. In fact, if she says things to you like, leave me alone, you know, if a man says, leave me alone, he means leave me alone. But if she says, leave me alone, that means you need to follow her. If she says, I don't want to talk, that means you need to sit down and say, it's time that we need to talk. Does she feel understood? Number three, does she feel unsafe? She wants to be able to share things and maybe without needing a solution. But if somebody feels unsafe, then they're not going to have trust. And if there's no trust, there's no relationship that's going to thrive. So does your wife feel unseen? Does she feel not understood? Does she feel unsafe and now for women here are three things and each word starts with a c number one very important to do not criticize the truth is women want coaching and direction but men do not and as tony robbins shares you take an example of a, a shirt and, and say that a woman says to one of her friends hey that collar of that shirt it's not a good one for you and the friend may say hey you know what thank you for that i appreciate the feedback if you tell a man a masculine man hey that shirt is not your color well then that man is going to say you know what then i'm going to wear this shirt every day for the next 90 days men do not respond to criticism number two do not close down men may use the silent treatment sure and they shouldn't but they really reject when somebody uses the silent treatment on them and here's a big one, do not be controlling. This is one of those things. I, I counsel couples all the time and you'll meet somebody and they, they found a man who's very toxic, but they think, I can change him. Well, how would you change him? And they're working to control that person. And the reality is, if you did control a man, what would you lose? Well, you would lose respect. Because if he was easy to control and manipulate, you couldn't respect him. And if you don't respect him, you would not find him attractive. If you don't find him attractive, there's no chemistry, there's no relationship, there's no passion, and you see why the challenges grow. That's why it's important. Kill the monster while it's little.
We're seeing the outcome of things that could have been handled before they became big problems now. That's why people have so much stress right now because now on top of regular situations of life, there's the virus, there's the economy, there's the division in the nation. And so little monsters that could have, been, could have been handled maybe in our life, they're getting magnified now in this time of stress. So some simple things for couples to do. Here's something for all of us to remember. Stephen Trail shares two proverbs from Japan. Number one, the tongue is but three inches long, yet it can kill a person six feet high. Number two, the tongue is more to be feared than the sword. The things, things that we say to others, the things that we say even to ourselves. Maybe it's somebody at the grocery store. Again, paying attention to things in our life because again, when we're transformed by the truth that Solomon says it's so important that if you have to buy it, pay the price to get it, then pay that price. And when you know that truth, you don't fall for cheap grace. You say, true grace has set me free from sin, and in gratitude I will follow in Christ wherever he leads. Perhaps a great prayer here to keep in mind, Roddy Chestnut. Dear God, help all the bad people to be good and help all the good people to be nice. So many people, again, that leave church on Sunday morning and they're supposed to represent Christ and they say some of the meanest things or they're the rudest people. Let's make the change of that today. So again, Jude, he said, I wanted to write to you about the gospel, but I found it necessary to write to you that you contend earnestly. And the next part of that is contend earnestly for, notice, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Paul would say the same thing in 1 Timothy. The Spirit says in latter times, some depart the faith. It is the faith. It is not faith, but it is the faith. And referring to the faith, Jude is taking away subjective belief. Faith here is, it's about our total commitment to the complete gospel. What is the faith? It's everything we know about Christ. It's everything we know in scriptures. Everything we know in Christianity that is the truth. It is the same no matter what time it is, what year it is. It's true because it's the living truth. You know, things like the, the virgin birth. You'll meet people that say they're Christians but don't believe in that. Or some will even say, you know, they don't believe in the, the real bodily resurrection of Christ. And Paul said, if you don't believe in the resurrection, we're all wasting our time and we need to go home. Because if he has not risen, then nothing else matters. And so these are foundational things. And Jude says, fight, contend, earnestly agonize over the faith. Because the faith is the answer for all things in life. Based again upon objective truth, the sum and the abundance of Christian truth, the complete gospel. As Isaac Watts in the 1600s would sing, Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? You know, I love this here. Benjamin Franklin will wrap up just a moment here, but this is something to keep in mind. Thomas Fleming would write this. When Benjamin Franklin was seven years old, a visitor gave him some small change. Later, seeing another boy playing with a whistle, Benjamin gave the boy all his money for it. He played that whistle all over the house, enjoying it until he discovered he had given four times as much as the whistle was worth. Instantly, the whistle lost its charm. 
As he grew older, Franklin generalized this principle. When he saw a man neglecting his family or business for political gain, or a miser giving up friendship for the sake of wealth, he would say he pays too much for his whistle. That is brilliant. And there are people, maybe the one in the mirror we see every day, they are paying too much for their whistle. And the answer and the way out of that is the faith. Summarized in three words in Colossians 1 by Paul, him we proclaim. Him we proclaim. Whatever your life needs are today, mine today, they can be turned around in an instant as we hand them over to Christ. Base our life on eternal truth. Allow him to work in us and through us. And that is the light invading the darkness. Him we proclaim. Maybe you're here today and you've been paying way too much for that whistle. Today you can make the decision and make the change. Maybe it's in your marriage, in your relationships, just in your faith or your stress level to say, I surrender all to Jesus. Here's what this looks like. Max Lucado, in closing, he writes this. Recently, I shared a meal with some friends. A husband and wife wanted to tell me about a storm they were weathering. Through a series of events, she learned of an act of infidelity that had occurred over a decade ago. He had made the mistake of thinking it'd be better not to tell her, so he didn't. But she found out. And as you can imagine, she was deeply hurt. Through the advice of a counselor, the couple dropped everything and went away for several days. A decision had to be made. Would they flee, fight, or forgive? So they prayed, they talked, they walked, they reflected. In this case, the wife was clearly in the right. She could have left. Women have done so for lesser reasons. Or she could have stayed and made his life a living battlefield. Other women have done that. But she chose a different response. On the 10th night of their trip, my friend found a card on his pillow. On the card was a printed verse, I'd rather do nothing with you than something without you. Beneath the verse, she had written these words, I forgive you. I love you. Let's move on. The card might as well have been a basin. The pen might as well have been a pitcher of water. For out of it poured pure mercy and with it she washed her husband's feet. Truly, him we proclaim.